The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. All right. Thank you all so much for attending this session. This is a very, very special panel today. And not because I'm moderating and not because uh, I have these three insanely powerful female marketers up on stage with me. But it's also extra special because we are recording an episode of the B2B MX podcast literally right now as we speak. So everyone, please, in the audience for now, please make some noise for all of our podcast listeners and just say hello. Give me some applause, some cheering. Hello, everyone. All right, you hear that, folks? That is our awesome B2B MX audience saying hello. Welcome to this episode of the B2B MX podcast. We are on stage in Scottsdale right now. So we have Stephanie LaRue, Digital Marketing Manager for Dade Systems, Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, and Lee Dow, VP of Global Marketing at Identive. So we're going to talk all things content. We're in the C2C track, and obviously content has always been king. But now in this digital first world, it's absolutely critical to, to get it right because there are so many things, you know, begging for your buyers and your audience's attention. So it's really important to be creative and really stand out with your strategies uh, just to, you know, kind of silence some of that digital noise, right? So that's why we're here. Um, in... Uh, Obviously, this is the last breakout session as well uh, before we all get some much-deserved cocktails. So without further ado, we're just going to get things going. Ladies, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on stage today. Um, we're going to start by uh, just giving you guys a, a few minutes to uh, introduce yourself, your company, and give us a little bit uh, you know, of background on your top content priorities at your organizations. All right, Stephanie, you go first. Well, hi, everyone, and hello, everyone listening on the podcast. Um, so happy to be here with you all. My name is Stephanie LaRue. I am the digital marketing manager at Dade Systems, a fintech company that offers AR automation solutions so AR teams can scale their business and work more strategically. Um, when it comes to our content, we are really focused on creating content that will allow our prospects to guide themselves through the buyer journey. Um, and then second highest priority for us when it comes to content is making sure we are hearing what sales has to say, that they're hearing from the leads they're talking to, and incorporating that into all of the content pieces we create. Awesome. Lindsay? Hello, I am Lindsay Chepkema. I'm CEO and co-founder of a company called Casted. Um, we make it possible for B2B marketers like you and all of your teams to really harness the power of audio and video content, including podcasts, which is extra special to be here today, um, so that you can get the maximum return on the effort and investment that you've put into the creativity um, behind all of that audio and video content and measure its impact on your brand and your business. Awesome. Lee? I'm Lee Dow. I'm the VP of Global Marketing for Identive, uh, which is a company that digitally secures the physical world. Uh, so we make um, some of our biggest uh, customers are the Department of Defense and the Department of Justice. We also 
um, do things like make uh, transponders, which is RFID inlays and tags and work in the NFC space. Uh, and on our team, uh, we're a small but really nimble team uh, that really tries to break through that B2B sort of um, lull of content, especially in the security space where there's not a lot of innovation in marketing and there's not a lot of creativity. Uh, and really try to break through um, and, and overcome the fact that a lot of the products in that space aren't terribly differentiated. Awesome. And uh, I don't know if you guys were here yesterday. Some of you might have attended our Killer Content Awards ceremony. Uh, but Lee is part of the Identive team, and they actually won a Killer Content Award this year for a really <laughs> awesome video series. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, it's Thank a you. big deal. Um, so I'd love to actually, you know, have you give us a little bit of background on on this video series. It's actually really <laughs> cool. Um, the, and it stars a person that looks exactly like Tom Cruise. So please tell us more. Yeah. So when I started working with Identiv, um, I was uh, the CEO told me that, you know, our products aren't necessarily terribly differentiated from our competitors, but, you know, what really would differentiate us is, you know, a great customer experience and um, being a great design engineering partner and great marketing. So no pressure. And, um, and it's true, though, in the security space and B2B, there's really just not a lot of creativity in marketing. Um, and I've worked in marketing for a really long time. Uh, I've worked in aerospace marketing, where you go to an aerospace trade show, and you know everyone has airplanes all over everything. You walk in, and the, you know it's like, oh, their booth has an airplane on it, and then there's an airplane, there's another airplane. It's like we get it. You work in aviation, okay? <laughs> um, so you know how do you break through all that? The security industry is very similar. So um, we had a new product coming out that's a video surveillance system, and it's a really um, impressive system. It has a lot of um, great analytics and allows security people to do things that perhaps, you know, they couldn't do before. And so we started, you know, just brainstorming on ways to introduce this product. And we did a um, sort of like a top secret reveal for our dealers and our channel. And they just loved it so much. And it kind of had that Mission Impossible theme that we were like, hey, we should ride this wave. So um, really what we did is we, uh, we were looking for ways going into one of our biggest trade shows of the year to extend that Mission Impossible theme. So I went out on Cameo and a few other places. I was like, well, maybe I can find somebody that was in Mission Impossible and have them do like a little Cameo or something like that. And then I found not Tom Cruise. And not Tom Cruise, when I was watching his Cameo video, I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this guy on TikTok. So I went to TikTok and I found not Tom Cruise. You can go look him up. He's hilarious. His real name's Evan. Um, and I started watching his videos and they're so funny. And, um, and so I just reached out to him completely cold through social media, direct message, slid into his DMs. And I was <laughs> like, Hey, I have this idea for this campaign. I would love to talk to you about it. And he was like in, he thought it was so fun and he's a professional actor. He's super, you know, highly skilled, highly trained, but the guy has the gift of having the exact same vocal cords as Tom Cruise. So he was born with like the same vocal cords. When he leaves voicemail messages for me, I kind of giggle a little bit. Um, when, uh, and when he's kind of in, you know, when he gets into character and into costume, uh, he really looks just like him. So much so that when we did the videos in the studio in LA, when he came out of the green room, people would walk by him in the hall, like especially, like, especially women on my team, they walk by him in the hall and they're like, <laughs> um, because he just, he just looks exactly like him and he talks just like him and he, he's got all his mannerisms down. 
So we went through, um, we just spent one night, I think I said last night, with some bourbon. And we went through all of his TikTok videos and we started pulling out all his catchphrases like, woo, or, um, you know, help me help you, or just, and even some that were very, um, very like subtle, but from movies that, you know, weren't as wildly popular as like a Top Gun, but had like a direct um, connection to the product. So like in Minority Report, there's a scene where he's, Tom Cruise is in the elevator bank and his face is melting off and he starts yelling, tech support. So we used that. We used a lot of those. But what we found, because we really wanted him to be Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. But when we went through all that, we realized he's better, he's better and funnier playing Tom Cruise and pulling Tom Cruise's real life, like don't be glib. Or like he taught us that Tom Cruise, you can't, nobody can run in the same frame in a movie with Tom. So like we have one of him running and like, or like, hey, you, don't walk away from me. Don't be glib. Um, so we just pulled all those little catchphrases. And then um, our genius uh, content director, creative director, she worked them into a script around the product. So we did nine videos around that product. Uh, and then we did nine videos around, we have, a, um, cr we have credentials products that we make. So we did nine videos around stealing your identity, um, which of course is perfect for not Tom Cruise. Um, so yeah, so we have 18 videos in total and they were just so well received because this industry is one where, you know, it's, um, it's a, most of the people in it are, are a generation of people who love his movies and are fans. And it's people who, you know, see a lot of me too content. And when they're scrolling through social media, it, it makes them notice. And so even people in our own company, some, you know, were naysayers and they were like, hmm, I don't know if I like it. And I was like, but you remember it. You stopped, you looked at it, you watched it, you remembered it. So, so that was kind of the mission that we chose to accept. <laughs> I love that. And it's, uh, they're hilarious videos and this guy is, is awesome. And honestly, that just goes to show that you could really find inspiration anywhere, you know, just because a B2B company, maybe you have no business being on TikTok, but you could get <laughs> inspiration from TikTok yeah. and, and all that fun stuff. So I love that. And, you know, on the topic of video, um, Lindsay, we, we had like a conversation, obviously, to prepare for this panel and you had mentioned that, you know, video and audio um, is kind of the, it's the future of content marketing, right? So, um, and obviously we just saw Jay Bear speak during his keynote and he said, you know, video is becoming king. So include it, you know, everywhere. Uh, so, uh, you know, on this, on the other side is, you know, audio content is skyrocketing too. And I'm not just saying that because we're, you know, recording a <laughs> podcast right now, but um, it's it's different. And I'll, I'll actually share a, a, a little personal story. In November of last year, I fell off the treadmill, broke my wrist. Uh, I had to get surgery. I have like a beautiful titanium plate in my arm right now with a bunch of screws and all that. And I, I'm a writer. I'm an editor of a publication. I couldn't do my job. Uh, so it turns out uh, I ended up, any email I had to send, anything I had to do, I sent people audio messages as attachments. They were so well received. So I'm like, <laughs> wow, okay, audio content, you know, you could use it anywhere and people love it. It's different. Um, so I, you know, I really, I love that, you know, 
these two mediums are becoming so much more popular. So Lindsay, let's let's talk a little bit. Give us some insights on, you know, how can marketers uh, prepare for this wave of content marketing with video and audio? And, and how can teams actually do it even on a budget? Because I'm sure everybody's on a budget nowadays after, you know, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, all of that might have you feeling like, okay, how do, how, one more thing, audio, video, more channels, more to do. But the fact of the matter is we're all consumers, right? We're all consumers of content. We're all watching Netflix um, and I'm watching TikTok, right? Um, and so there's more pressure and opportunity than ever before to create really cool, creative audio and video content. And that doesn't have to come at a really high price tag. I mean, we work with enterprise businesses on down to, you know, teams of, of one or two people. And, and that pressure is the same, regardless of exactly how large or small your budget is. And so you really have, have to reframe it to think, okay, if I'm going to make this investment of time and money, however large or small that is, how am I going to get a return on that investment in creativity? So... Go create, whether that's literally with your phone. Like I've seen some people taking some really cool videos here today, like walking around the floor and, and just talking to people, um, things that they can share on, on LinkedIn or elsewhere. Um, really think about if I'm going to make this investment into something creative, how am I going to get so much more out of it? So how am I, how am I going to do more than just publish it somewhere? How can I repurpose it? How can I reuse it? If I do audio and video, how can I strip out the audio and use it for a podcast, which is exactly what you're doing <laughs> right now? Um, how can I use clips and, and a transcription to, to use that one source of content in many, many ways over a long period of time? That's how you make the investment, however large scale or multifaceted or small it must need to be, um, it's all about getting that return. So I just challenge everybody to start thinking about, okay, if I'm going to do something, how am I going to use it in more ways to really maximize its reach? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> so we just started playing around with, um, and you're probably more familiar with this than I am, um, the tools now that enable you to just put the plugin into your website and turn all of your content into audio content so that people are more likely to listen to it and read it, or not read it, but you know, just listen to it while they're doing other things rather than having to take the time to read it. And uh, we, we haven't like really turned it on fully yet, but, but I think it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think that's a good thing for accessibility for people who yeah. may not be able to read it. Um, but I also, there's so many things that you could do with the written content you have to do more with it. We were actually just talking to somebody the other day um, that had done a big report, like a big PDF report, like big investment in a study. And they were like, what else do we do with it? Where else do we publish this? And I was like, what if you took some of the stats and like talked to people about the stats <laughs> that are impacted by the stats or that you know, are, are behind those numbers and turned it into a podcast, turned it into a conversation. So there's always, there's always so much more you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, you know, repurposing content is is huge. Um, we'll, we'll probably dive into it a little later as well. Uh, but Stephanie, I want to hear from you because, you know, you're also on a pretty small uh, team. So what are some ways that your team leverages, you know, content to really stand out um, and, and even stand out from like competitors? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. And anytime that um, I think like, how am I going to leverage this? What am I going to do? What's my next piece? I think the most strategic thing you can do is take a step back before overwhelming yourself and assess 
all of the content you already have and see if you've realized the full potential of every single piece. Um, I'm on a marketing team of two, and so it is imperative for us that we make each piece work as hard as possible that we can for us, just like I was saying earlier. Um, that way, the content is helping the prospects navigate their way through the buyer journey on its own, and then when they're ready to talk, when they want to pick up our phone call, they want to message us on Drift, we're there and we're ready, and they already are armed with the information we've been serving them. Um, and so when it comes to leveraging you know, a big study or a really meaty white paper, um, it is getting as creative as thinking about the different steps of the buyer journey and the different types of content that people would want to consume, that way you can meet them where they are. So if someone is in the early stages and they're looking to be educated um, and they have a lot of time on their hands, maybe they do want to read through that really long white paper. But if they're on the go, maybe pulling out that one stat and putting it in a LinkedIn post is just what you need to get their uh, thoughts really turning to get them to move on through you know, the process of getting closer to securing that lead. Um, and I will say, I know, I know that Video is growing in popularity and it is definitely valuable. But when it comes to that written content, I would not knock it. So if you want to call video content king, I will say that written content is definitely queen and should not be forgotten. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, making sure uh, that our content pieces are leaning into the long tail keywords. So when people are researching um, our industry, aren't aware that AR automation is a possibility or maybe that it's completely different than it was four years ago. Um, that is so important for us so we can meet them where they are, whether it's in a Google search on LinkedIn um, or whether they're further in that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, you have to first know what your audience even wants to digest. Maybe they don't want to listen to a podcast. Maybe they don't want to watch a video and they prefer that you know, longer piece or a blog or something like that. So it's definitely important to understand your audience first. So uh, Lee, beyond, you know, going beyond video and, and audio, obviously we are all convinced that it's um, it's working and written is still always going to be around. I mean, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm an editor. Obviously, <laughs> I, I need my job. I'm with you, girl. <laughs> So um, how, do you, how do you prioritize uh, budgets for, for content and, and what other formats work, work well for, for you guys? So we do a really, I think, we try to really balance. That, that campaign actually is a great example. We, we spent um, probably about between the series of nine and nine, probably somewhere around 20,000 on the production. Um, and we produced it in a way that uh, we did it with a green screen so we could always just keep changing whatever's behind it if we wanted to, uh, to keep it fresh. Because, um, you know, Tom Cruise never goes out of style. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we balanced it with written content, white papers, you know, data sheets, um, traditional, more traditional advertising in the print publications that were relevant to that industry, um, in the um, digital advertising that was relevant to that industry. Uh, we did case studies, testimonials, and for us, the things that convert the highest um, Video uh, gives us more brand awareness and it gives us more, um, you know, catches, catches the eyeballs and gets them in the door, but it's not the thing that converts them, at least not this campaign. This campaign, it was really more geared towards people who already knew us and knew the industry. 
But when it's people who don't know us and we need those long tail keywords and stuff like that, we balance it with white papers and case studies and testimonials. And if we don't have permission, like there are some departments that we do business with that don't like us talking about them um, in public, uh, we, um, we try to do things like deployment stories. So if we can't do a case study, then we tell the story like a financial institution you know, <laughs> right? Keep it general, um, yeah. Yeah, so we do that, and we just tell the deployment story wherever we can, because that's really what people want. They want those use case scenarios, right? They want the proof points. Yeah, that's great. Oh, you asked me about budgets? Yeah. Okay, Let's so back to that. the way that I do budgeting is we have three different business units, and each of them has what their um, revenue target is. So I divide up not only what their current status is, but what their growth trajectory is. And then I try to get somewhere between 5 and 10x of um, what I need to do to get the leads into the pipeline for what their pipeline needs to be to deliver on that revenue number. And that's a lot of backwards math, but <laughs> that's how I usually do the budgeting. Awesome. Very cool. And I do want to go back uh, just quickly to the topic of content repurposing because there's just so much you could do uh, with it. And I know, Stephanie, you had mentioned you, do, you guys do something cool with your, I think it's the the Dade Pay product, right, to promote that. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So we are Dade Systems and Dade Pay is our solution. And so we have a hefty white paper again. I know we all see them online. Can't deny that they are helpful, but they are overwhelming. And so in one of our white papers, we feature a variety of different case studies across industries to show how flexible AR automation can be and that it is not just for one siloed industry. Um, of course, there's criteria where it does make sense for a business or not, and we love to explore those. But within that big white paper, in one of the case studies, we have a phenomenal customer, call him a brand ambassador, an influencer, whatever it is. He is just goes beyond and above to tell this story of Dade Pay. And so we had invited him to take that story from that white paper and share it with us on a webinar with an industry leader. And from there, we're able to snip out uh, little segments of that webinar and host it on our website within the product pages that he was speaking about, uh, share those clips on LinkedIn. Um, and I still have some work to do that I'm remembering right now as I'm speaking to get those <laughs> audio clips in other places, but just getting as much um, use out of that content as possible because think about all of the time that you spend preparing that white paper or for that webinar. It just, it doesn't end there. Um, and for this particular story, I love it so much. Um, when he discovered our solution, he kept saying things like, wow, I can't believe I haven't found this sooner. Like, why hadn't someone thought of this? So happy I found you all. Um, he was able to be innovative with our solution that after realizing the time savings and the financial savings with our product, he actually got a promotion. So not putting it out there that everyone <laughs> will get a promotion after getting our product, but that is um, a really great way to harness an influencer's story and drop it into different types of content, different lengths of content, so it is digestible in whatever uh, your consumer's preference is. So, you know, on the flip side of that, <laughs> so I've all, you know, I worked for two big Fortune 100 companies before I worked with this company, and um, what I always found, so any of you that are in the, like, software as a service or anything like that, um, you know, part of my job, right, is that I have to go find solutions 
and then I have to go pitch them internally to get the funding for them. So what I always learned um, when I worked, uh, like I used to run e-commerce for Honeywell, and one of the things that that I would do is when I was putting together, like, what's the solution that we're going to put into place, I would go out and do all that research and look at all those white papers and case studies and things like that. And any vendor whose content was something that I could, like, cut and paste into my presentation and, and sell internally, do that internal socialization on, was usually the vendor that was going to win our business because they gave me all the information that I needed to go sell it internally and put that solution into place. So if you craft your content like that, it's, it's, it's gold for people who work inside a company and need that solution. Yeah, and I'm going to chime in here too because like hearing you talk about that is really exciting because I was facing something similar before founding Casted um, when I was running branded content for this global enterprise. And we were creating all this great content too, but same kind of thing. I was like, we we don't have enough people or enough money or enough anything to keep making all of this net new. I, I need to be able to take this podcast and take this video and be able to use it in lots of different ways. Surely there must be a way to do this that isn't so manual. Like, how do we cut up this content without going back to this audio and video agency that I'm paying a lot of money to and asking them to like pull clips and how do I know if any of it's working? And so that's that's literally what started like the impetus to start casted yeah, to say, I amazing. can't believe this doesn't exist. And so that's this whole idea of what we call amplified marketing to say, okay, if you create a thing, how are you going to amplify it? How are you going to do more? And let's equip you with a platform to make it super easy to do that because it is, it's so important. It, like we don't have the time. And I don't think that people outside of content marketing truly understand how stretched content marketers are, right? Yeah. Well, and they also, they also have no concept, no idea of how long it takes to do great marketing. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I will say to go off of all of that, and I think better answer your question about positioning yourselves against competitors and all of the digital noise that is out there, is that, yes, it would be awesome if I had this huge budget and more time, maybe the time people think that I have to create this content, but finding what's good enough. Mm -hmm. Because what really matters is the basis of your content, the production, and the frills that you can add on are amazing if you can do them. But if that is something that is good enough to get into a deck to, to pitch to the buying committee, and it's polished, and it does a good job, and it shows your brand and tells the story of the product that you're selling, amazing, job well done, circle back around to it if you want to fluff it up later. But just getting it out there is going to be more important than delaying a month right? You yeah. are totally holding people from getting into that pipeline as cliche as a marketer. <laughs> that can sound. <laughs> um, just getting them into the pipeline, getting them the information they need is going to do you such a service. Yeah. 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 It's starting Absolutely. with connection. Like what's, what's going to make a connection? Is it going to be production value or is it going to be re rich, relevant, meaningful content yes. that looks different for everybody? And even like the the less you know crazy productive stuff uh, you know production stuff, it's like it's authentic, right? Like at the end of the day, that iPhone video is gonna probably be much more in, you know interesting, and somebody's gonna be more likely to be like, okay, okay, this company's more like me, you know, they're not you know button up suits, you know, and all that stuff, you know, you, they have Unless some that's fun. what you need for your audience. Like exactly. every, know your audience, right? Exactly, exactly. So um, let's talk me measurement. Um, and I want all of you to, to kind of chime in here. How do you measure your efforts? Um, what are some key KPIs? Um, any, and how do you actually use those insights to fuel future efforts? 
Because I, I think that's also important too, right? You got to get, you know, use that data and get that feedback from, from the audience, from, from buyers uh, to, to fuel, to obviously just continue to make your content better. So uh, whoever wants to yeah, start. I would love to. I love this question. Um, I'm a huge fan of Salesforce campaigns and actually utilizing them in my past company. We totally overlooked the value. Um, and so utilizing it today has really helped me glean an insight into what content is working, what topics are working, how are people responding and finding the best place in the buyer journey for those pieces of content. And so when it comes to KPIs specifically, um, if you want to jot them down, this is going to be that you know marketing mumbo jumbo, but um, how many unique views the content is getting, looking at the actual engagement um, metrics, whether that is an email open, an email click, a webinar attendance. Um, and also um, diving into uh, the conversion rate, that is first and foremost, that is if I'm only looking at one thing, I'm looking at who's converting. Secondly, looking at how many people were looking at it. And that's where I can drill down on what needs to be changed. But that's what you're doing when you're moving and grooving through the process to see what's working. But I would definitely encourage you if you're even just tacking on a five extra minute five extra minutes to make sure you're making the smartest decisions do yourself a favor look at all of the pieces they've stumbled upon that you're able to track did they land on a landing page spend two minutes there what are they looking at what are they listening to what are they watching what search term did they come to your website off of and See that that is the part of the whole story of how they're making a purchase with you and not just looking at that final content piece that got them to start talking to sales because then you're discrediting the first thing they saw or maybe something in the middle that really pushed them along and let them spend more time with you versus a competitor. I love that. Lindsay? Um, I mean, you said a lot of engagement. It's all about engagement. Um, I was talking yesterday with one of our, our customers about um, – Conversation fuels connection, fuels conversion, right? So a lot of us end up looking, kind of saying what you said, just with more, adding on to it, more words on that matter. Um, a lot of us end up looking at conversion because that's what a lot of us are measured on, right? Um, but what what connections along the way started the conversation? You know, like how, what conversations took place first or what, what connections were made first that even led to the, con to the conversion? And that looks different for everyone. Um, but as much as you can get a, a large view of that big picture about what does engagement look like here, um, you can do more of what works and less of what doesn't. And it's, it's great because there's so many platforms and tools out there now, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, even like interactive content and, and video and all that, you could get so much more information from that than just a PDF that somebody downloads because they download that PDF, all right? So it's probably sitting in the downloads folder. Who knows if they even opened it, right? So all of that's why like I love interactive content, even all these platforms that are, you know, that are helping you build it. You could just every page has so many different unique stats and things that you could use to make the content better. And that's really, at the end of the day, that's really all you want, right? You want to just continue to make the content better, right? So Lee, how about you? Yeah. Okay, so in a job like mine, you don't stay in my job for longer than two years if you can't demonstrate return on investment and revenue attribution. Um, and so my CEO's love language is uh, spreadsheets and <laughs> revenue attribution and data, and he loves digging into all, 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 all the things. 
um, which is great. It's nice to have someone that engaged and that interested. Um, so, uh, so for me, the things that I look at, um, we definitely use Salesforce campaigns. Um, there's, if you don't know, there's this amazing, especially for a marketer, there's an amazing um, out of the box thing that Salesforce does called revenue attribution. It's calculation that it does out of the box. You don't have to set it up, but just run the report. And what it does is it tells you what percentage of your marketing activities actually influence that opportunity and that sale. Um, and so we track that. Um, so I'm always looking at revenue attribution and, and closed deals. I also look at everything from uh, when the visitor came to our website, what they, even if we don't know who they are, we know what the company is that came to our website. So what did they consume, what content, and we do a lot of account-based marketing. Um, so what I've flipped the team to doing is we do these account-based marketing campaigns and we do them by the top you know, pursuits that salespeople have. But whatever pursuit they have, let's say they're pursuing the Department of Veterans Affairs, um, well then I know that it's not that one Department of Veterans Affairs that's in that one salesperson's region. Whatever we're doing for that, we're going to do for all of them. And so um, in doing that, we look at, okay, if we're running these campaigns, are people from the Department of Veterans Affairs starting to come to our website? If they are, what are they consuming? How long do they stay there? Which pages did they look at? What did they download? Do we know maybe like, okay, it's somebody from Department of Veterans Affairs in Prescott Valley. Well, there's probably like three people there who would want to download security information. So we can reach out to that person and say, hey, were you looking at some stuff? Um, and try to make a connection because those are warm, right? Those are people who actually have demonstrated interest, even if you don't know exactly who the person is in that individual. So that's step one for us with visitors. Then once we convert them to prospects and we know who the people are, then we start more active personalized marketing and getting, you know, and seeing where they are in the buyer's journey and um, trying to hit them at every point. We also just started using Sendoso, so we'll be measuring that and how, you know, the gifting platform works to influence opportunities. But for me, like I said, it's, I can say all that, but I just had a board meeting yesterday, and the, really the questions I got were how many leads, what's in the pipeline, and what's the revenue opportunity. So, so for somebody who's, if you're running a marketing organization, if you're a CMO or like a VP of marketing or anything like that, that's really what, what the, the leadership team cares about, is they care about what's the revenue. All the other stuff is great, and you have to measure it, but yeah. you have to do that to do your job really well. But the questions you're going to get asked is, what does that contribute to from a revenue standpoint? Dollar signs, yes. right? Dollar, dollar bills. I can, I can always. That. Yeah. <laughs> always. Um, I'd like to talk about uh, channels of distribution for a, a few minutes. We have about 10 minutes left. Um, what, what channels are working? What channels aren't working? Is it still email or are you heavily using social? What's going on there? Who wants to go first? <sighs> email. Love Do you it. hate to say it? You love it and you hate it, right? <laughs> it's like, um, I think the hardest part about email is, is not the email content necessarily because I think all of us probably do a great job of generating really good content. It's, it's keeping the list fresh and keeping, you know, the right people on the list and distributing the right content to the right people through email. It's still a big vehicle for us, but it's harder and harder to really get that engagement than like some of these other channels that we've talked about, I, just in my my world. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll say email is um, a top dog for us, uh, but webinars, I came in very biased anti-webinar because after the past two years, I feel like we've just been inundated with so many webinars. Meet us virtually, virtually, like virtual has never been a word before the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but webinars are a phenomenal source. You get to gauge how 
interested someone is. And then if you really think about it, you're doing a demo with, you know, even if it's a small webinar, five, 10 people all in one shot, you can't get more efficient than that. Obviously, you can tell I work at a company that really values automation <laughs> and efficiency. Um, but those two, I think, is where if you have the right list and you have the right audience, you are getting so much done in a short amount of time. Webinars are our number one converting channel. But for us, it's typically when we do them with like a media partner or a channel partner. Um, or something like that. Uh, and and again, it's it comes down to uh, list integrity. So we're still working on our list integrity and issues like that because we've got some lists that are kind of older and we're trying to improve upon them. And I think that's probably why email, I'm kind of like, <laughs> um, but, uh, but webinars, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I would say call it what you want, like the, the audio, video, webinar, video, podcast, live situation. Um, Obviously, I'm biased in that, but <laughs> we're seeing a lot of success with that. And then also, we get to see behind the scenes with a lot of um, of our customers, a lot of whom are here um, this week, um, that are seeing a lot of success. Because think about it. I mean, as humans, we're, we're hardwired for connection. And especially over the last couple of years, we are just so done with all of the noise and all of the crap. And this is called like cutting through the noise, right? Um, all of the, the BS around, like, posts, I mean, writing, I, I'm, a huge, I'm, I'm a writer too, like we're done with the blog posts that are so clearly for algorithms and so clearly for search rankings. Like people want authenticity, people want richness, people want connection. And so I think that's why we're seeing such, um, such a, a uprising of, of webinars and like video podcasts and things is because people want to join in on conversation. People want to feel like they're in on a discussion that's relevant and meaningful to them. And so um, we're, we're just seeing such, such a rise in that. And then what else can be, you know, made out of that later on? Well, what's great about that too is that when you do like a great long form piece of content that you can break into a lot of different things or a webinar or some type of podcast or video, it's like whatever, like you said earlier, like whatever that one asset is that you put a lot of investment into, you you now have that asset. Like a webinar lives in perpetuity, really, right? Um, unlike an email, mm -hmm. right? Um, and a webinar, you can you know invite this couple of the people from the webinar onto your podcast, or or you can transcribe it to a blog post. Um, so there's just when you, I try to think about the content that we create as assets, almost almost as if I was capitalizing them. You know, like when you work on a capital project, you're like, I'm gonna build this building and I'm gonna put that light in and that cost, you know, $600,000. And so now I'm gonna capitalize that. I try to think about our content that way. Like I'm building a house and it's got layers and you know, some of them are, you know, the, the long poles and some of them are the beams that hold them up and some of them are the windows and you know, which ones am I gonna invest in and which ones am I gonna repurpose uh, and that kind of thing. And if I could add one more thing to that, um, not specifically on channels, but when you're looking at all the time and money and effort and energy that you're investing into your content, it is so easy to turn into a machine and just burn and turn and try to get that content out, but it will become that much more valuable and you'll see a better return on that piece of content slash light fixture. Uh, <laughs> if you take the time, even if it time yourself, 60 seconds to ask yourself some questions. What's really the meat and potatoes of this topic before you start talking, before you uh, read through that first draft? Am I talking to a human, right? Because even yes. me to be, we all yes. know it's humans. Like it's not machines making the purchasing decisions. It is, it's us, it's you and the audience, it's you listening. And so that's so important to ask that question. And then before 
you publish it, maybe get someone else, get your CFO, get a salesperson to look at that content and ask you questions as well because you, you just don't want to not realize that potential of the piece that you, you have set in front of you. Yeah. And, be, and be fearless. I mean, B2B content, there's no reason why you shouldn't be fearless with it. You can have fun with it. Uh, clearly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just be fearless with it and have fun with it. Because like you said, you're, I mean, you're still addressing a consumer. Yeah. Right. They want to be entertained. They want to be enthralled. They want to be invested. They and seen. Yeah. And, they, yeah. yeah. They want to, they want to see the creative. And I think for all of us, um, especially like for me, I know personally, I spend so much in my job. I spend so much of my day in my analytical brain, um, just because of the nature of my job and having to measure everything and report out and you know, I have the board report outs, I have report outs to the CEO and the leadership team, um, my peers, and um, and so they're all geared in on financials and analytics and performance, which is what you need to do to run a company. But so I spend so much of my day living in my analytical brain that I have to detach, let it go, so that I can turn my creative brain back on to do the creative direction and think about things differently and try to be more in that, like, how do I get your attention kind of mindset. Right, yeah. right. And I think if if while you're creating this content, you're not engaged in it and excited, how is the reader yeah. or the watcher yeah. or the listener <laughs> going to get excited either, right? So channel that energy and let them feel that too. 100%. Awesome. Great stuff. Um, all right. few minutes left. And I, I, I'm going to ask one very random question and because I'm just always curious. It's it's a pretty solid argument all the time. Gated or ungated? Oh. Both. Oh. <laughs> Both. Both and so when? Uh, how do you how do you choose? Ungated for a visitor who's never heard of you before. Lightly gated for someone who's downloading like maybe like a spec sheet or something like that and heavily gated for someone who's downloading a piece of content that you just spent the last three months of your life pouring your heart into. <laughs> <laughs> we, we lean really heavily on gated. Um, once in a while, we'll um, come up with a really good reason to gate something. Also, uh, webinars or events are good for that too. Um, but yeah, we, we try to lean really heavily on the what can we give away for free so that people would want to connect with us. But there's, there's a time. There's a time every once in a while for something that's gated. Yeah. I will say I was a big fan of the both, and it depends kind of answer. Um, and I, I still am in that boat, but I definitely had one foot out of the boat dipping into the water. Considering the other, I did uh, attend Marcus's keynote. Mm -hmm. um, was they, what is it? They ask, you answer. Yep. And he is pretty much anti-gate, and it definitely had me challenging uh, the decisions that we've made, and now I'm quite literally today in the process of ungating some things to try to test it out, and so that's something else too, right? You don't have to stick with the same strategy. Uh, I guess, try it out, see what works. I guess my real answer would be whatever the data tells you you should do, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, and so, um, and it also depends on your industry, right? I mean, some industries are, are you know, like, I want to know if a competitor is downloading some piece of content. Other industries, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, I want to know if the Department of Defense, you know, spent, you know, went through 12 pages and spent, you know, 10 minutes on our website. Um, that makes we me are, nervous. Because, <laughs> well, we have a I don't really want that mine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I would. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's really just whatever the data tells you, you should do, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And then if you obviously, you know, if you have to gate something, you know, make it worth their while, right? And deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Don't, right. like, how many times have we tried to download something? Like, yeah, no clickbait. This isn't even what it was about. <laughs> right. I love that, though. Um, you, they ask, you answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love that. That's a good mantra. All right, we are at time. Thank you all so much for choosing this session as your last session of the day. Ladies, that was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. You. And, you know, quick shout out to our B2B MX podcast listeners. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode from B2B MX. Um, if you're out there listening and enjoying this conversation, uh, register for our on-demand B2B MX experience. Uh, it, the registration's still open. We're going to launch all the presentations from B2BMX in Scottsdale on March 14th. So they'll be available for you to view on demand throughout the rest of the month. So check out B2Bmarketing.exchange to get your pass and see what you missed uh, out here in Scottsdale. And hopefully, hopefully it'll get you to come out to B2BMX in 2023. I will drop a line in the show notes uh, just uh, so it's easier for you to access. And of course, as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. Uh, we're available on any podcast player of your choice. And of course, catch us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share feedback and let us know who else you want to hear from on the pod. We'll be back with season six of the B2BMX podcast in just a few weeks. Thank you all so much for, for dealing with my podcast spiel. So thank you. And now, um, yeah, let's, let's get some drinks, huh? Yeah. Let's get some drinks. Let's get some drinks. Uh -huh.